This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of 3 and 5. I'm Steve Peacher. I'm president of SLC Management. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Daniel Sosmacat, who is in our New York office at Infrared Capital Partners, which is our infrastructure investment firm. Daniel, thanks for taking a few minutes today. Hi, Steve. Thank you very much for having me. So I've got some questions about renewable energy, which is on everybody's minds these days. And and my first question is there's so much talk about the need to expand our renewable energy resources, both in the U.S. and around the world. What are you seeing in terms of actual activity in terms of the new construction of renewable energy projects? And maybe to put that a little bit into context, Steve, and when you say really what what does the expansion mean, for people to get a sense, in order to meet the, the climate and renewable energy targets that have been set, Basically, till 2050, renewable energies will have to double their contribution to electricity generation in the U.S. from the level they are today. And that will require an investment of about 25 to 30 billion dollars per annum only in the two major renewable technologies, which are offshore wind and solar. But there is obviously something beyond that. And so a lot of investment is needed and a significant amount of investment is already going into the sector. So to give you a few numbers, 2019 on the whole, $62 billion went into this. But we've seen some slowdown of investment during COVID. Uh, So in 2020, the number was lower. And in 2021, so far, only $15 billion have invested. Um, So we see significant levels of activity, but principally as a result of COVID, things have certainly slowed down. But we're noticing activities picking up, and we've recently seen more activity investing into new new segments. One, One thing that makes me optimistic about the future for wind and solar is really that in most locations, this is already the cheapest form of power generation. And so to share a few recent trends that we've seen in in terms of new build out and new investment is solar for sure continues to be the most predominant technology for new project investment. And that's driven by the fact that it is the relatively lowest cost technology. We're increasingly seeing new solar projects that are paired with battery technology projects in order to extend the production window or release power more flexibly to meet the demands of relevant power off takers. There are fewer wind projects in solar, but they are very significant in size. And to give people an example of this, one project we're looking at now has five megawatt turbines. And those is a sort of a turbine size that a few years ago, we actually only show offshore. So turbine sizes have massively stepped up. Another trend we see in the US geographically, projects tended to be in, the, are now increasingly in the Midwest and the Mid-Atlantic regions whereas historically, really, it was the West and the Plains that that dominated it. And finally, which is very exciting, there's really now momentum in the offshore wind space because the new federal government is really in in support of it and has set a target of 30,000 megawatts by 2030 from only 42 megawatts today. So it's really from nothing. And that will require investment of about $75 billion in projects alone not even considering the related infrastructure and ports and vessels and so on and so forth. And one of the first projects called Vineyard Wind, that's an 800 megawatt project, has just obtained its final federal environmental permit. And we expect that to start construction in 2022. You mentioned battery storage in your answer, and battery storage technology is key to making solar and wind energy more useful and more economic. What trends are you seeing in battery technology that may make renewable energy even more economic going forward? Well, as a first observation, we've been involved in in sort of the battery space for the better part of of five years now. And over the last couple of years, we've really seen what I would call an explosion 
of battery project development really across the entire US, but in particular in the states where or regions where you already have significant renewable energy deployment. Good examples of that are, for example, California and Texas. But at the same time, you also see it in places where there are bottlenecks on the grid network or some, some stresses, which tends to particularly be in the vicinity of larger cities, such as New York and Chicago. One of the key trends that's sort of underlying all of this is that cost for battery technology and battery projects as a whole have declined a lot faster than I think a lot of participants had anticipated, which makes these projects economically viable and viable on a faster scale than before. But this rapidly increasing demand is now catching up with a somewhat still nascent industry and supply chain, and, and pricing is temporarily not declining further, especially for sort of the most predominant technology, which is really lithium iron. So one of the trends that we're seeing is developers and, and sponsors are now considering more emerging battery technologies, such as, for example, with Zinth, which aren't quite as, as commercially proven yet. And another aspect, I think, is batteries have for sure a huge role to play in the further energy transition, and in particularly also in the consideration of electrification of transport, but eventually other storage technologies, and for example, hydrogen, have to come into play to really facilitate the transition of the energy sector in the way that it's needed. You see the construction of renewable energy projects from the inside, and I'm wondering if there are any challenges in the building of these projects and the development of these projects that may be underappreciated by investors that aren't as close to the projects as you and your team are. I think there is one aspect, and really starting with the basics, with, with the rush into project and, and sort of really the excitement of the, the sector, building and operating projects, it's better understood now, and there are plenty of established contractors who, who can do this, but it still has its challenge. In, and I think overall, the challenges that are involved with that are probably a little bit underappreciated and underpriced at the moment. So that's sort of one aspect which I can think of. The other one is that Renewables um, clearly only produce when the, when the resource is available. So the more renewables penetrate the system, there's going to be an ever greater imbalance between demand and supply. And so to ease the systems into this transition, we need a significant build out of storage and also systems transmission capacity to keep pace with this build up of renewables to avoid bottlenecks, to avoid system stresses such as outages, overload, and et cetera. And that requires a lot of additional investment in related infrastructure, which I think at the moment, there aren't necessarily the right plans and, and right structures for that in place. Same time, a lot of renewable projects and of the same technology, if they're all in the same region, they will all be generating at the same time when the resource is available. And this will impact the power pricing, something that we call price cannibalization. So as you invest in these kind of projects, this, this is something that you need to appropriately factor into your economic forecasts and really consider this. And, and while that is, on the one hand, a challenge, at the same time, this represents a big opportunity for, for battery and other storage technologies who can basically take power out of the system when it's cheaply available and then release it when, when it's expensive. So to bring it all together, I think for a successful investment strategy in renewable energies, you really need to combine investments into different generation technologies across a fairly diversified portfolio and similarly, it needs to go hand in hand investing in storage and other technologies that you can really balance your investment portfolio and not solely focus on generation. Thanks, Daniel. One, one final question. The infrared offices in New York are in Midtown, and I know you like to bike to work when the weather permits. And when, you, when someone thinks of New York City, they think of 
cars speeding down, you know, Fifth Avenue. So my question is, how do you get to work on a bike and do it safely in the middle of Manhattan? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Steve. Now, um, I, I used to live in London for a long time, and that's really when I started commuting into work. And let's say London is probably uh, considered a more cycle-friendly uh, city, but, you know, cycling into the office wasn't without its hazards. By comparison, New York, you don't necessarily think about it, but the city has done a fantastic job of really developing the recreational, including the biking lanes along the river, which really makes for a really fantastic and relatively safe commute into the office. However, as you then cut from the river to the relevant block you need to get to New York City, there's probably been a couple of minutes of excitement where you need to still manage traffic. But relatively speaking, that's pretty good. Well, thanks, Daniel, for taking time with us. I think we're going to be talking about renewable energy for a lot of years. And so this has been a uh, a great session. Thanks to everybody for tuning into this episode of 3 and 5. Thank you very much for having me, Steve.